1: Locked on Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Recapping BYU and an overtime loss to St. Mary's in basketball without Yoli Childs. We'll have an update on his injury. Of course, we'll cover all of the BYU news you need to know about with the other programs in the BYU Athletic Department. And we're also getting to your mailbag questions. A number of you sending questions this week. We'll answer a few of those on today's show as well. So a lot to get to on today's edition of the podcast. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is America's number one daily podcast network. And with that rundown out of the way, let's get it started. This is Locked On Cougars for January 10th, 2020. What's up, guys? This is Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for joining us on your daily podcast, Focus on the BYU Cougars. We aim to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU news, insider information, and, uh, and anything else that you need to know when it comes to the BYU Cougars each and every day. So thanks again for taking the time to download this show. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a favorable rating and review on whichever podcatcher you're listening to us on. It really does help get the word out about the podcast and we are available everywhere podcasts can be found apple podcasts stitcher spotify google play store essentially anywhere and everywhere a podcast can be found downloaded and or listened to you can find Locked On Cougars. Well, let's start off on the hardwoods. BYU falls 87-84 to 84 to St. Mary's last night. And considering the news that we got just before the game, and if you were following my Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch, as well as Locked On Cougars, we've made allusions that Yoli Childs was likely not to play in this game. But official uh, announcement came about an hour before tip-off as BYU announced that Yoli Childs suffered an open dislocation of his right index finger in practice earlier this week and is going to be out for an undetermined amount of time. Uh, Mark Pope in the pregame with Greg Rubell on the BYU Sports Radio Network said one to two weeks in the pregame, but then postgame didn't really have a timeline. So who knows what's going to happen there. Um, I actually spoke with Ross Oppo, a former BYU wide receiver, now doing a lot of wide wide receiver training here locally along the Wasatch Front in Utah. If you remember way back when, Ross was a freshman in 2010 and suffered an open dislocation of his index finger in fall camp, or actually no, it wasn't fall camp, it was early on in the 2010 season after playing just one game, suffered that injury, was announced that he would miss about six weeks after undergoing surgery to fix the issue, and then ultimately miss the season. I spoke with Ross last night via text message I wanted to get um, some insight from him on this injury, having seen him suffer it and heard about him suffering it, and he said it took six weeks for him to get cleared to get back on the field and start catching passes, etc. Now, the question remains, is Joey Childs going to have to undergo surgery for this? He was spotted last night multiple pictures on social media wearing a splint on that index finger. And this is on his right hand, and he's a right-handed shooter. He's a right-handed player. So an injury to your shooting hand is nothing to sniff at. I don't know that a one- to two-week timeline is going to be the... I think it might be literally the best case scenario. If everything were hunky dory and all went well, uh, open dislocation of a finger means that the bone dislocated, then came out of the skin. So it's essentially a compound dislocation. We'll see. Uh, I don't know what the status is going to be with Yoli child's. If he can shoot with that, they can tape it up, put a splint on it, allow him to play that way. So a one to two week timeline seems ambitious in my opinion. Uh, Reading up on this, open dislocations, four to six weeks pending surgery. As I said, Ross Oppo suffered this injury in 2010, said it took him six weeks to get cleared to get back on the field. He thought that it might be a little bit quicker with a basketball player because football's so rough and tumble, you're falling, etc. But basketball can be plenty rough in its own right. But I wish Yoli Childs nothing but the best and hope that he's back on the court in short order. That's that's the biggest thing is you want to see him back out there for BYU. If worse comes to worse and he's out for six weeks, well, I did some math on that. And six weeks out is the home game against Gonzaga on February 22nd would be about just over six weeks out from when he suffered that injury. The timeline on this is going to be very interesting to track. Like I said, I'm not reporting these gonna be out any determined amount of time. But I just in speaking with guys like Ross Oppo and reading up on this a little bit, a one to two week return seems ambitious to me. I know BYU has a has a game has their first game against Gonzaga coming up here in just over a week. But I think one to two weeks might be a little pie in the sky ish. if, If if I'm being honest about BYU and Yoli Child's chances of returning from that injury. Now I'll need to get to some thoughts on the game holy smokes TJ Haas was awesome down the stretch in that game wasn't he I know that BYU came up and that's a stomach punch and you think if Yoli Childs was available BYU probably has a good chance at winning that game I have to say BYU played better in that game than I expected that they would without Yoli Childs and finding out that he wasn't going to play early on in this game they battled plain and simple. Both teams struggled to shoot in the first half, came alive a little bit in the second half, and then it was TJ time down the stretch for BYU. And I have to say, that might be the best individual game I have seen from TJ Hawes in some time, if not the best individual performance I've seen from him in his BYU career. He was in full control in that second half, especially late in the game when he single-handedly lifted BYU to the, to overtime. A uh, Big ups, by the way, to Dalton Nixon on the block of Jordan Ford there to keep BYU in the uh, – to essentially send it to overtime. Tanner Krebs, of course, missed a follow-up shot, which ultimately sent it to overtime. But credit to BYU's defense in that regard. But TJ Haas was the only reason I felt like BYU rallied to make it to overtime, and the it became a free-throw shooting contest in overtime – I get that there was the no call there, and then, okay, no call for BYU, and then looked like, okay, kind of a weak call against BYU on the succeeding possession there in overtime, which might have helped BYU had they gotten that call. I get that, but... It is what it is, and I have to give my I have to tip my cap to Mark Pope and his team because losing a guy like Yoli Childs, a lot of teams probably would have just folded and said, you know what, this is not our night. We have an excuse here where we, we lost Yoli Childs, the NCAA tournament committee, we'll look at that, etc. But they battled and they nearly came away with what would have been another signature win for them this season. If BYU plays that well in every game and that determined that focus, they're going to win all of the games outside of St. Mary's and Gonzaga the rest of the way here in West Coast Conference play. They'll have those battles against the Gales. They'll have the battles, of course, coming up home and home against the Bulldogs uh, over the next month or so, but I I really came away impressed with BYU despite that loss, and It's easy to write that off and say, okay, Yoli Childs, if he's in there, BYU wins that game. And I get it's tough to swallow seeing Yoli Childs suffer yet another injury and being lost, it looks like, for some amount of time here in conference play. But all things considered, I think BYU played their hearts out. They battled in this game, and I, I tip my cap to them. I was really impressed with what they did in this game. Like I said, TJ Haas, 29 points, was a game high in terms of scores. Jake Toulson, no slouch in his own right. 9 of 19 from the field, played 41 minutes and scored 24 points. And other guys who came off the bench, I thought they contributed in a big way. Well, okay, down, off the bench. Dalton Nixon, like I said, that big block down the stretch. Kobe Lee stepped in for the injured Yoli Childs, had another solid Solid outing, 9.6 rebounds. Like I said, if BYU plays this hard every game, they're going to win every game outside of the St. Mary's and Gonzaga matchups, and those are just kind of determined. They'll they'll be determined on BYU's ability to shoot the three-pointer. BYU for the game shot pretty well, 47.8%, if I'm not mistaken. Outshooting St. Mary's actually in the game. Yeah, 47.8% as compared to 46.8% for St. Mary's. But ultimately, St. Mary's comes away with the win. BYU now lost six straight games there in Moraga. They'll look to snap that next year, I suppose, in 2021. But like I said lot to be happy about when it comes to BYU and I was impressed with them despite that loss now they look towards Portland tomorrow uh, we'll dig into Portland here in just a little bit I'll do a little bit of a preview at the end of the podcast on today's show to talk about the pilots who are 9-8 and eight. but that game in the Marriott Center scheduled for 7 o'clock mountain time will be televised on BYU TV and also audio broadcast radio broadcast up and down the BYU Sports Network with Gregor Bell and Mark Durant on the call alright coming up here in just a moment we're going to get to some of your mailbag questions, a lot of them football-focused, a couple of basketball ones. We'll answer as many as we can. Uh, before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys that when you guys are out and about driving around in your vehicles, you got some downtime at home trying to think of what you're going to do, well, guess what? You can catch up on all the BYU sports news with this podcast, and you can do it hands-free. Think about this. With your smart device, your smartphone, your smart speaker, tell it. Play podcast Locked on Cougars, and that way you always stay up to date with all the th- news when it comes to BYU sports. I thank you guys once again for your continued support, and this makes it real easy to stay up to date with all the BYU news each and every day with this daily podcast. Reminder, tell your smart device, play podcast Locked on Cougars, and be the smartest BYU fan in the room.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the years best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles,
1: All right, guys, answering some of your questions, we're going to do a weekly mailbag here on the podcast, and feel free to send in your questions anytime to the different social media feeds for the show at LockedOnCougars on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch, and if you'd like to drop the show a note via email, you also can do that. Email us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. All right, let's get to some of your questions here. We'll start off with Mark LeBaron, at Mark underscore LeBaron on Twitter. He says, I I have a really not important question. There's no non-important questions, Mark. But he says, I know Ula Tau put his name in the transfer portal last spring, but I haven't heard anything about him in a while. Is his time at BYU done officially? I can tell you this much, Mark. Yes, his time at BYU is done. I don't know where Ula is ultimately going to end up. I don't know if he's going to come back to college I think it's going to be a story of unfulfilled promise considering what he did in in high school and everything. I just he's one of those guys you're going to look back on and say, "Man, what could have been." And I don't ultimately know what his status is currently, but I can tell you this much for all intents and purposes, his time at BYU, especially as a student athlete playing for the BYU football program is over. And it's kind of sad. You thought this kid, coming out of high school, signed with Wisconsin when he returned from a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, came to BYU, and didn't necessarily have the breakout freshman campaign that you would have expected, but he's coming off a mission, etc. but then gets into some legal issues, leaves school. Uh, Joe Tukuafu had a similar situation where he left school and has worked his way back now, and Tukuafu is now back in good standing with the BYU football program, had some injuries this past. Year, but is going to be a factor on the BYU offensive line down the road. You would have hoped that Ula could learn from that and follow a similar track. But based on everything I have heard and I know, and I'm not ever going to say that it's it's never going to happen. But everything that I've heard and know about Ula. Tolatau is that his time at BYU is done for all intents and purposes. So there you go, Mark. Answering that question for you. Alright, let's go to QBall. At Matt underscore Quinney on Twitter, he says, it seems the biggest issue with this team is protecting the ball. How can the coaches improve ball security the team can't score if they keep turning it over and the defense can't get enough takeaways to offset so how does it get better okay Matt I'm wondering if you meant football or basketball I'm gonna assume uh, you're going with BYU football and because basketball also has a similar situation going on but in the football sense of things Protecting the ball, it's an emphasis. I can tell you this much. Jeff Grimes has been very open about the fact that players that turn the ball over in practice, they get punished. And the units that do it, so we're talking the first, second, third team offenses, if they have a turnover, they're punished in practice. I think that BYU when it comes to turnovers a lot of times it's luck you can generate turnovers obviously we've seen teams do it you can go up there as a defender and rip out a ball from a ball carrier's arm you can step in front of a pass and intercept it but the ball in football is oblong for a reason it bounces differently and crazy things happen so you can emphasize it as much as you want as much as you can in practice and you can make sure guys understand hey there's the four points of contact on a football protect that ball at all costs do everything you can to make sure that that ball is secure, but there's always the randomness of football when crazy things happen. The chance comes into play here. Yes, you can generate turnovers and yes, you can emphasize protecting the ball, but ultimately, there are going to be crazy things that happen on the football field. I do like BYU's emphasis on protecting the ball in terms of what they're emphasizing in practice, etc. And I think they can be better about it in games, but these are young men. Let's remember that. These are young men who aren't professionals, they're playing the game they love and at times well, they forget certain parts of what they're supposed to be doing and they also you have to give some credit to defenders sometimes sometimes they make a better read and a better play on a ball and they take it away so I, I feel like BYU, yes, can they emphasize getting turnovers on defense a little bit more? Absolutely, but if you think back to 2018, BYU was one of the top teams in turnover margin in 2018, so It's a crazy sport. There are bounces both ways for both teams, and there are seasons where your team seems to struggle holding on to the ball and has a lot of turnovers. There's other years you're taking the ball at a phenomenal rate. There are controllables within that, but there's always the randomness, and there's always chance involved with turnovers. Thanks for the question, Matt. Really appreciate that. All right, some other questions coming in we'll get to here. Let's start off with Old School BYU, and I have to give you credit, Old School. He's been a longtime supporter of mine. He listens to the podcast religiously. He lives in Illinois, Naperville, if I'm not mistaken, right, Old School? Uh, and he sent me 25 questions when I asked for mailbag questions this week. And I have to tell you this much, Old School, he's at old school BYU on Twitter. I'm not going to get to all 25 of these, but there are a lot of good questions in here. And we are going to use these over the coming days and weeks to answer them. But let's start off with your number one overall question that says, Will Jake recover from his midseason challenges? Speaking of Jake, Old Droid, BYU place kicker says how much will he be pushed by the RM the RM meaning um, Ryan Recco who is joining the BYU football program this week as a mid-year enrollee coming off a mission and then can he now specialize on one type of kick he means field goal versus punting with the departure of Skylar Southam for the NCAA transfer portal, I think Jake Goldroyd at this point is still going to continue to kick and punt until BYU finds a proven option at either spot. Like I mentioned, Ryan Rico is coming in as a return missionary for BYU, a phenomenal player in his own right, very tall athlete, six foot five. His older brother Austin was an all-American for Idaho um, up there in Moscow. So he's got the bloodlines to be a good kicker. I think I'm I'm projecting. Ryan to be more of a punter for BYU in his BYU career but that doesn't mean that he can't kick because I thought Jake Oldroyd was simply just a kicker and he's proven to be quite an adept punter so for the time being old school I think that Jake's going to have to both kick and punt until a proven option is found at either spot to let him specialize on one thing or the other. The one thing I do wonder about this year, because Skyler Southam was BYU's kickoff specialist, is if Jake will have to take on that responsibility as well. I feel like Southam had the, maybe the bigger leg for kickoffs, but Jake Oldroyd's shown to have plenty of leg on field goals, so I'm, I'm assuming that he'll be able to handle the kickoff duties we will find out though. I like I mentioned earlier this week in talking about Trevor Sampson on our all-decade football team I liked how Jake Oldroyd responded in the Hawaii Bowl. I thought he came out and had a phenomenal performance. You hope that carries over into the next three years of his BYU career, in theory. And you hope that he has a great career and just becomes that nails, uh, the guy who just has stones. And when he goes out there, you know he's going to make the kick. He's going to boom a big-time punt. That's what you want to see from him, and the hope is that Jake Oldroyd kind of overcame, yeah, that midseason, down the stretch lull that he had, and hopefully that Hawaii performance is indicative that he's figured things out, and he's course corrected a little bit here. One final note, old school BYU gets the last question today. Only two of his 25 will be answered today. He said did Bo Hodge retire, transfer, or is he expected back? And then also, is Hall expected to continue with football and playing quarterback? I can tell you this much, Bo Hodge has moved on from BYU football, recently got engaged to his longtime girlfriend, and I wish him nothing but the best going forward. Um, I'm not going to say that he couldn't come back, but essentially earlier this year, his cousin Tristan Hodge, BYU offensive lineman, said he was stepping aside from football for at least a year to get things figured out in his personal life, get healthy, etc. He could pursue in medical hardship, I suppose, if he ultimately wanted to play it, but I think that his time as a football player is done, speaking of Bo Hodge. And then the second part of your question, is Jaron Hall going to continue on with football and quarterback? Yes, I can tell you that much in a word. Yes, he is going to. He's also going to play Baseball. He's been out with the baseball program already this offseason, working out, taking cuts in the batting cages, etc. We'll see how much work he gets with the BYU baseball program this uh, spring. But he for, for everything he's intended to do is to battle for that starting quarterback job. And if Kalani Satake is to be taken at his word, there's always competition there. And spring ball will be a big opportunity for Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney to pull, push Zach Wilson for that starting job as the BYU starting quarterback. So there you go some of the questions answered feel free to weigh in anytime with your guys's questions love doing these mailbag segments letting me hear what you guys want to hear about and answering them to the best of my ability coming up here in just a moment we'll catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news as well as some somber news regarding a former BYU defensive back we'll get to all of that before we do that though a reminder for you guys please subscribe rate and review to this podcast wherever you're listening Apple podcast Stitcher Spotify pod uh, podcast what podcast freak I think I don't remember what the name of the one I saw the other day was there's other podcast services like overcast wherever you're listening hit that subscribe or follow button so that way you never miss an episode but more importantly I'm asking you guys especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts give us a star rating and a review it really does help get the word out about the podcast and build this audience we're seeing incredible numbers to kick off the new year and I can't thank you guys in enough for thank you guys enough for doing that but I would encourage you guys to help us out a little bit more take a minute give us that rating and review because that really does help us out and like as I use the term commonly here on the podcast it's worth it Weight in podcast gold, and I can't think he has enough for doing that in advance.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the years of best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to thirty three hundred dollars off select compact tractors. See the details at kubotaorangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock. Deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's kabotaorangedays.com.
1: All right, guys, catching up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. The BYU men's and women's track and field teams continue on with the BYU indoor invite today at the Smith Fieldhouse. If you want to go watch that, the women's tennis team continues their play in the University of Hawaii Invitational out there in Honolulu. So best of luck to all three of those programs in action this weekend as they continue on through tomorrow. As we mentioned yesterday, BYU men's volleyball is in action beginning tonight with a back to back set against number 15 Penn State. BYU ranked number three in the country, coming off two wins to open their season on the road. Penn State, one of the teams that beat BYU recently in the NCAA championship, should make for a fun environment at the Smith Fieldhouse. The home opener, as well as our second home game of the season tonight and tomorrow night, both games scheduled for 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Tonight's game will be broadcast on BYU. TV. Jerem Jordan, a good friend of mine will be on the call. Also tomorrow night's also going to be on BYU TV so that should be fun to see that Uh, BYU uh, men's basketball tomorrow night at 7.30 I made a mistake earlier, 7.30 PM Mountain Time against Portland on BYU TV. You'll be able to catch that on uh, the BYU Sports Network Radio Wise as well. Women's Gymnastics in action this weekend at the Rio Tinto Best of Utah event featuring Utah State Utah, Southern Utah and the Coup That begins at 7 o'clock Mountain Time at the Maverick Center tomorrow night. If you want to go out and watch that, high-level gymnastics from all over the state of Utah. The women's basketball team is in action tomorrow as they host San Diego and West Coast Conference play. It's a day-night doubleheader for men's and women's basketball once again at the Marriott Center. The women's team tips off at 2 o'clock Mountain Time against the Toreros. That'll be broadcast on BYU TV. And then finally, men's and women's swimming and diving are in Arizona this weekend as they take part in the Grand Canyon. Invitational down there in Phoenix at the Freshman, FR, Edward J. Reese Aquatic Center. I don't know what the FR stands for, but that begins at 12 o'clock Mountain Time tomorrow for both the men's and women's swimming and diving programs, and best of luck to them in that. All right, one final note for you guys is some sad news last night. Hans Olsen, a guy I work with at the Zone Sports Network, broke the news that Brian Gray, a former BYU defensive back in the late 1990s, passed away. And sad news because Brian Gray, in my opinion, is one of the more unheralded star BYU. BYU players that I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, It was a former Juco All-American in El Camino Junior College before transferring to BYU. Played in 1998 and 1999. Memorably had a pick pick six against San Diego State in his career. And I have to say... In terms of, we talk all the time as BYU fans, if you think about the great BYU defensive backs in their history, especially cornerbacks, you think of Omar Morgan, Tim McTire, Brian Logan. You think of some of these great names. Well, guess what? I can tell you this much. Brian Gray, right there with him. I thought he was a phenomenal player, a guy I really enjoyed watching, and... The world's going to miss him. I know that Hans Olsen made some very strong statements about how important this man, about Mr. Gray, was to him and his career because they played together, they were teammates. Hans said that he wanted to be with him 24 7, and Brian Gray only tolered, tolerated Hans in bunches. You can follow Hans at 975Hands on Twitter if you want to read up more about Brian Gray and what he meant to Hans Olsen. But Like I said, Brian Gray, one of the all-time greats that many BYU fans may not know about. And honestly, I think that uh, the BYU football program is going to miss a guy like that because he was, uh, like I said, one of the more unheralded star players that I have seen in my lifetime watching BYU football. I haven't been around for all of the 70s and 80s watching BYU football. The 1990s is more the beginning of my reference point for BYU football. And for my money, Brian Gray was right up there with the best cornerback backs in BYU history I unfortunately don't feel like he gets that pub and I wanted to take a minute and highlight that today on the podcast so thanks thanks so much for letting me do that and I just want to say uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the Gray family at this time and rest in peace to Brian Gray all right, that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast. We will be back to uh, tomorrow hopefully with a postcast edition of the of the podcast's recap BYU and Portland in basketball. Uh, if not, we'll be back on Monday for sure with a full weekend recap of a lot of BYU sports news. Obviously a lot of programs in action this weekend around the country, especially here in Provo. So get out and support the Cougars. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, you guys don't get snowed in too much here along the Wasatch Front. Watch some football out of former BYU Cougars in the pro ranks playing in the NFL playoffs this weekend. Fred Warner in the 49ers. Jamal Williams in the Green Bay Packers. Daniel Sorensen, the Kansas City Chiefs. Enjoyed that as well. And we'll talk to you on Monday, recapping it all for you guys. Thanks again for your continued support of the podcast. It's a blast to be with you guys each and every day. It truly is an honor to do this. And more importantly, thanks to all of you who send in questions, by the way. It was awesome to hear from you guys. Anytime you guys want to weigh in, feel free to drop me a note at lockedonbyu at gmail.com or follow us on social media and weigh in there at On on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at Jacob C Hatch on Facebook as well. Until next time, thanks again for joining us. This has been Locked On Cougars for January 10th, 2020.